Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. Get ready for the word. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue this morning, and uh, last week I had the message prepared, but uh, God moved differently, but we're glad we're back, and come on, Orange County is still okay. I mean, I had my trees, you know, tied down. I had my garbage cans turned over, all of our umbrellas turned over, and ended up, all I had to do was put them back up. It wasn't much of a storm, but praise God we prayed, and uh, so thank God for His protection, and thank God we're all okay. And uh, the sun is shining again. So come on, we're going to go through the storms of life at times. There's storms, but keep going through the storm. Come on, keep looking, and the sun will shine again. Amen. Amen. And so we want to continue this morning uh, in, in your Bibles, or if you can follow along with us this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says this. For this reason, Paul prayed. He said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul, he's praying and he says, I, I pray, and he's talking to Christians. I bow my knees that you would what? Begin to understand the family of God that you're a part of. That you would understand the riches of his glory, that he would grant you the riches of, 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 of life. You'd be strengthened through the Holy Spirit, that, that he would dwell in your hearts through faith, and what? You'd be able to comprehend. Someone say comprehend. comprehend. What is comprehension? Understanding. You know, sometimes we have comprehension. How many of you know you, in school, you know, they do the reading comprehension test? And have you had it, you, you know, you read through it, but then they ask you, what did Jane do and what did John do? And you for, totally forgot. It totally went, you know, in, you read it, but you didn't comprehend it. And so, so many times as we go through in our Christian faith, there's things that we don't comprehend. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as we get in the Word of God, it speaks to us at different times in our life. You know, I was talking to Tim Sr. And, uh, this week, and uh, we met together, and he was just talking to me about the power of reading the Word. He's reading through the Bible over and over again, and every time he gets something out of it. Why? Because when you're at a different place in your life, the Word of God speaks. Amen. Sometimes you don't have the ability to fully comprehend, and so we've got to get comprehension. That's what Paul is praying, because we can hear the Word. It goes in one ear, out of the ear, another ear. We're hearers of the Word, but we're not doing it. We're hearers of the word, but we're not experiencing it. We're trying, but it's, it's not working. And so we want to have that comprehension, that understanding, where we're not just having knowledge, but we're having experiences move from our head to our heart, and it, and it begins to move into our life. Can you say amen? So Jesus said he was the way. He said he was the truth. He, he was the light. He came to restore us to the Father. And we talked, as we started out in this series on original design, we looked at the prodigal uh, father. And really, what is it about? It's about what does it mean to, have, to be prodigal? It means to have excess, to lavish. We always talk about the prodigal son, and he went out and blew it all. He lavished everything. He lost it all. But really, the story is about God, who, the fa- our heavenly Father, who lavishes his love. 
even when we weren't deserving, even when we weren't willing, even when we were in sin, he still lavished his love on us and he loved us so much that he sent his son that whoever believeth in with him would not perish, but we could have eternal life. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so we experience the newness of life because God lavishes his love on us regardless of what we've done. Nothing we can do can cause him to love us less. Nothing we can do to cause him to love us more because God is love. So the whole purpose of redemption, and the word redemption means to restore and bring back to its original intended purpose. So God is redeeming things. God is redeeming music. Why? Because the devil ain't got the best music. The best music's in in heaven. Come on. And we need to get into, tap into the halls of heaven and write some songs. Stop copying everybody. Amen. And and, and God redeems culture. Are you here? And so thank God we live in beautiful Orange County. The sun is shining again. It's hot out there. Some of you are like, huh? We live in Orange County? Enjoy. Look at the beautiful mountains. Look at the beautiful blue sky. Look at the, the, the waves and the ocean. Are you here? Look at what God's done. I love, you know, I was sitting in my backyard this week and just sat down and the sun was going down. And it was just so beautiful. And I was like, wow, God is so amazing. The God that we serve. And he's created all of this beauty for us. But we need to have an understanding. Sometimes we can be just be fighting our battles, going through life, and, and what we don't really focus on the beauty, beauty of where we are. Even for us, we can involve in ministry, and I go from home to church, come on, connect group, to, to the, my other office, my real estate office, I'm doing, and I'm just going, going, going. I'm, I'm just you know, transporting from place to place, but forgetting to see the beauty. We need to stop and smell the roses sometimes. Are you here? And so I'm, I'm going to be going to Europe. Susan and I will be away in two weeks, and uh, we're going to Europe, and praise God, we're going to do some ministry there, and then we're going to also take some time to smell the beautiful UK roses. Amen. I don't know what they have, but uh, we're going to be there, and it takes, you got to take some time to enjoy in the midst of the, of the battles. Are you here? You say, well, I'm ready to go. Well, praise God, believe for your own ticket. Amen. <laughs> He'll bless you too. So God's original intention was that Adam and Eve would be his son would be his daughter, and that he could prosper them. God was a giver, and he created this world. His original intention, his original design, was that they would enjoy the world, and they would begin to eat the fruit up, and and begin to enjoy the blessing of this world. Are you here? Amen? So our Father God is the original giver. The original thing he gave was creation. This whole world was made for us. It's not the devil's. Come on, it belongs to God. The devil tries to always pervert everything that God does. God created sex, and in a marriage, sex is good. All the married people say amen. All right. For the single, get married first. Let that not be your own motivation. But outside of marriage, it brings destruction. It brings insecurity. It brings pain. Are you here? God's original intention was, 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 you know, romance and marriage to, to bring people together, and that's the part of the glue that keeps us together in a relationship. But the devil tries to pervert that. God created men, and men are good. Amen. Oh, I got three amens from the ladies. I said, men are, men are good. Come on. Oh, come on, man. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, gosh. Come on, elbow one of the men a little bit this morning. Come on. It's good to be a man. God made us a man. Don't try to be a woman. God made men and he said it is good. God made women and women are good. Adam looked at the first woman and he said, whoa, man. 
Women are good. Women are beautiful. They're God's creation. We're wonderfully made in our uniqueness. And the idea is men and women come together. We don't need to compete. Are you here? Women have attributes of God that are created. Men have attributes. We're working together in partnership, and we need to appreciate and understand each other and do it. Well, a woman can do anything a man can do. A man can do anything a woman can do. We're equal, but our functions are different. We don't have to compete with each other. Be ourselves and what God's called us to do. Are you here? So God bless us. He gave us the power to increase. He gave us the power in every area of our life. He, he bestowed blessing on us. And he gave us dominion. Someone say dominion. dominion. What's dominion? It's the power to, to, to subdue something. Subdue the things that would come against us. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he knew Satan was there. Why? Because he kicked Satan out of heaven. Satan and all the enemy, the, his angels, the, the angels that, that tried to rebel against God. You know, one third of the angels, what did he do? He kicked them out of heaven. He knew they were here, but he told man and woman to subdue. We're called to subdue the devil. Are you here? The Bible says Jesus came and God anointed him. He was anointed with power that he might destroy the works of the devil. And on the cross, he destroyed the works of the devil. And what did he do? He gave us victory. God so loved the world. In John 3, verse 16, it says that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That word is a Zoe life, eternal life. It affects us in the way we live. It affects us in our eternity. It affects us in our prayer life. It affects us in our walk with God. We were once spiritually dead, but now we are alive. God did not send his son in the world to what condemn the world. But what did he do? That the world through him might be saved. And so... If we look at the created world, it reveals the giving heart that our God has, that our Father has, that He's a good God, that He gives. Because of sin, because of rebellion, because of mistrust, what happened? Man fell under a curse. But God never stopped wanting to bless us. I put this up here. As we think of the incredible splendor of God, we look at the Grand Canyon. And we see the beauty of God and his creations for us. Why did God create that? You ever go there? It's like, what is this for? Just so that we can look and we go, wow. We look at the, the vistas of Yosemite Park. And the beauty, it looks like a postcard. Come on. It looks like it's been photoshopped. It might have. <laughs> but the real beauty is there. We look at the massive Niagara Falls and we see the strength of creation. Smith Wigglesworth was at Niagara Falls, and when he heard the falls, he said, that's how I feel on the inside. That's the life of God. God's got abundance. God's got varieties. We look at creation, and we try to look at all the animals and the plants. Science tells us there's 7 million to 50 million or more different plants and animals. Not only that, we don't really know, because every year there's 10,000 new animal species that are being discovered, and most of them are insects. There's 1.5 million animal species that have been identified that are just insects itself. You think, why did God create all that? Because God is a detail. God is creative. Why did God do it? Is there so, in the need for so many of them? It's just the beauty of creation. You know, even the spiders. I don't know what you would have in these huge spiders in our yard. Anyone else? It's spider season. You know, we got terminix to come and the spiders keep on kicking. Come on. But guess what? They kill the flies too. So there's a purpose. 
And so we don't have as many flies because we've got all these webs around and all the flies are getting stuck in the webs. God in his intricacy, he, he created the earth and all its diversity. God's eyes are, are looking upon us, his, his most prized creation, to bless us and to prosper us. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. What is God looking for? Those whose hearts are loyal to him. And when he finds them, what does he want to do? He wants to bless them. He wants to prosper them. It says in this you've done foolishly, therefore now you shall have wars. Why? Because you're not looking towards God. And so for the blessing to flow, what is the thing? We've got to trust God. We've got to begin to honor God. We've got to have a revelation that He's a good God, that He's our Heavenly Father. That we're not just servants, but we're sons and we're daughters of God. Amen? As you look at God and we don't understand the fullness of who God is because we can't in our infinite, you know, our finite, finite, I should say, brains. But we look at God and when we look at the Trinity, that we see the, the extravagance of God in the Trinity in his, in his love for us. He's got unending love. Even sometimes there's some people I would give up on, but God doesn't give up. There's some people on them, and you wonder why God's still working on them. Come on, we would have thrown in the towel a long time ago, but thank God we're not him. Amen. And we see that God is an extravagant giver. The beauty of what God has. But what's our ultimate destiny? Our ultimate destiny is, as we've been created by God, that what? We would come into a community where we, we'd experience His abounding love and His blessing. That's our destiny, that we've been created just so God could love us and bless us. Amen. And any parent, how many of you got kids? Amen? We love blessing our kids. We love providing for our kids. You know, recently, Erin, uh, she's not around this weekend, we, we went to check her into school. And she's first year of college, praise the Lord. And we were there, Susan and I were kind of talking, and we're like, both of us never got to live in a dorm. Both of us never got to go and, you know, have a weekend where we just got to have fun and meet people. Because I was working two jobs to pay for my school. You know, I, I, our, my parents did the best that they could, but, but you know, they, we didn't have the abundance of resources. And so we were talking about this stuff, and I mean, she's got a car, and she's in a, and we're like, we didn't have all that stuff. And, you know, she thought we were kind of complaining. And she's like, you guys shouldn't be jealous. I mean, this is a good thing, isn't it? And we said, exactly, it is. We're happy that because we walk with God, we've obeyed God, come on, our generation has a level of inheritance and a level of blessing. And we told her, and you need to steward what you have. So guess what? Our grandchildren have it even better. And our great-grandchildren of the Lord Terry's have it even better. And our great-great-grandchildren have it even better. Come on. And the covenant keeps moving with God. Because God's essential character is He's a covenant-keeping God. And His desire is to bless us. He always keeps His side of the covenant whether we do or not. He's faithful even when we're not faithful. That's the goodness of our God. Amen? So we look at Abraham, and Abraham begins to see that reiteration of the blessing that God began to bestow on man. And and God makes a covenant with him and says, look, if you follow me, if you honor me, I will honor you. You'll be blessed in your coming. You'll be blessed in your going. And and Abraham, we saw he became very wealthy. Someone say very wealthy. When the Bible puts the word very in there, it means very. He wasn't just wealthy. He was very wealthy. 
Or you could use the word super wealthy. Or abundantly wealthy. He had cattle. He had sheep. He had silver. He had gold. He had men servants. He had maid servants. He had camels. He had donkeys. And you might think, well, I don't need any donkeys. I don't need any camels. But what does it speak of? That, of that, that day was the prosperity of that day. What does it speak to us of? Well, what do we need? He had cars. Come on, what do you do with donkeys? Cars. Not a car. A cars. Are you here? He had homes. He had servants. He had, he had prosperity. You only need servants if you have more stuff to manage than you can manage. Come on, some of you don't have a CPA because you don't need one. Got real quiet. Why do we pay CPAs? Because we can't figure it all out. Thank God for my CPA. He keeps me organized because I don't understand. We got international stuff going on. And that's not my, my, my expertise. So I pay someone a lot of money to make sure we're on track and to do everything for us. But come, if you got nothing to manage, you don't need any help. Come on. Oh, I got real quiet here. Don't, 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 don't feel sorry for yourself. That's not your future. But what's the future? That we'd, be, we'd have abundance. The silver, the gold, the investments, the prosperity, the wealth would come to us in our lives. And the greatest lie, the greatest accomplishment of the devil is getting Christians to think they don't have an inheritance. We miss out and we think that our future is just surviving until Jesus comes back again. And even preachers preach, you know, God wants you to be poor because being poor is holy. Money is the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Abraham loved God and he used the blessings that he gave him. Are you here? We don't love money. Money's just a tool. Money is something that helps us to, to, to do what we need to do, and it, it provides for us and our children. But come on, everyone wants money. I ain't get no amen on that. People say, well, money, I don't love money, I don't like money. Well, then why are you working 9 to 5, 40, 50, 60 hours a week for money? We spend more time working for money than we do any, any other thing. Hello? Are you here? People, well, the church is trying to take your money. They're trying to scam you. You've you already been scammed. Come on. Working 40 hours for your dollar wage and thinking, I can just get another 50 cent increment. Another one, two dollars at the end of the year. Or maybe even 10%. You get a 10% raise. How many of you like a 10% raise? Come on. All you're doing is keeping up with inflation. You didn't get any raise. All you did is break even. If you're not getting 10% increment a year, you're losing money every year. Look at the price of housing. You could buy a home for $250,000, a three-bedroom home in you know, many parts of the world. Now it's about 500000 but wages have not increased. So guess what? You're, everything's getting more expensive, and you're, it's, you're, you're losing out. Are you here? And I, I coach people and talk to people all the time. We need to blow, get rid of our mind and get out of, break out of the snare. We've already been scammed. The devil has scammed us. Come on. Our source is not the place that we work or the boss that we work or the place that our name is on our paycheck. Our source is God. A live church is not my employer. I don't even get a salary. Are you here? I work for the Lord, and he provides me through real estate. He provides me for coaching. I travel and do ministry. Uh, you know, I, we have financial planning business. We, we create wealth, and God provides for us so we can do what he's called us to do. Are you here? we got to renew our minds and, and understand the covenant that God has given to us. Moses later, God reiterates this covenant to him in Deuteronomy 28, 
verse 1, he says this, and he says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that your Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings, someone say all, will come upon you and what? Overtake you. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to be overtaken a little bit more. Come on. Come on. All these blessings will overtake you. Why? Because you obey the voice of the Lord. So here, it's not about looking for the overtaking and the, 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 the blessing. We're going for the blesser. We're wanting to see His kingdom come. We're wanting to see His will be done. We're wanting to honor God. And what does God say? Just like we're, you know, when our kids do well, what do we want to do? We want to bless them. Come on, when they want something and they've been asking for it and you give it to them at Christmas and you see the smile on their face, you feel good. Are you here? I didn't get a car at my 16th birthday. I got an old broken down station wagon, which was our hand-me-down. But guess what? When my daughter turned 16, we had a car with a bow on it. Come on, she was so happy. She couldn't believe it. And I felt so good. And I said, that's my car until you graduate high school, but you're going you're to get to drive it. Are you here? <laughs> Put things in perspective. But this is the blessing. Are you here? And thank God I don't have to get up at 5.45 every morning and drive them to school. Amen. Are you here? But we, we, we love to bless. We love to, to do things for one another. Well, my wife, I bless her. She blessed me. Why? Because we love. And, and, and that's where our heart is. It's not about the blessing. Well, you know, if I stay married to you for another 20 years, will you upgrade my ring? And that's my goal. Or, you know, if I stay married to you, will you, will you let me go on a vacation? You know, the kids, if I just go to school and, and go every day and, and, and get good grades, can I go see Mickey Mouse one time, please? We get it all wrong. It's not about performance. It's about just God wanting to bless us. That the blessings overtake us. Bless you'll be in the city. Bless you'll be in the country. Bless you'll be in the fruit of your body. The produce of your ground. The increase of your herds. The increase of your cattle. The offerings of your flock. Blessed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. And they shall come out against you one way and flee seven ways. Come on. Don't be talking to your enemies. People talk to demons nowadays. Oh, I talk to the demon. I ask it its name. Why do you want to talk to a lying spirit? People, you know, ladies think, well, I have power over demons. They have to talk. To, you're, all you're doing is talking to a liar. Everything the demon's saying is a lie. Don't talk to the demon. Drive it out. My enemies leave seven ways. I don't want to have a conversation. Get out of the way. Come on. The Lord commanded the blessings on you in your storehouse in which you shall set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you. Someone say he will establish me. As a holy people to himself, just as he's sworn. If you can keep the commandment of the God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of good. Someone say plenty. And the fruit of your body, and the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground, and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you a good, his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain on your land in its season. 
and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. Come on. Someone say, I'm called to be a lender, not a borrower. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and carefully observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods. What's he saying? If you walk with me and you honor me, I'm going to bless your socks off. And we can't trust God. God doesn't want to bless us. Jesus was poor. Jesus had nothing. This was not his. We come up with all this crazy theology, which is nonsense. And what do we do? We, we're just trying to survive. Lord, come quickly, rescue us. And we're jealous of the world and their success. No, the Bible says the world should be jealous of us. You look at the nation of Israel. Everybody's fighting for that little piece of land. Small piece of land. It's a desert, much, much of it. But it's blessed. I've been there and I've seen the, the, the land and I've been to Israel four or five times. I've seen the land. The fruits are huge. The innovation that comes. And even though everyone's trying, people try to wipe them from the face of the earth, why do they hate them so much? Because they've got, they got a covenant with God. And that Bible says, you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. I bless. I go there and I spend a lot of money, tourist dollars. Buy a lot of souvenirs. Why? I want to bless Israel so I can be blessed. You missed it. Because there's a covenant there. But you know, that's the Old Testament. It's a pretty good covenant. What's the summary here? I put it up for you. Because sometimes we can't relate to all the cows and the cattle and all that. What is he saying? You'll be blessed wherever you live. Your children will be blessed. Your business or employment will be blessed. You'll have abundant prosperity in all areas. Someone say all areas. You'll be a lender and not a borrower. Now, sometimes we have to buy a mortgage, but guess what? I'm believing God. I'm going to cancel. He's going to cancel that mortgage. I don't have any expenses. What would it be like if you just have abundance and you got no bills? Money comes in. You're like, God, what do you want me to do now? That, that's, what, that's what Abraham had to do. He, didn't, he wasn't worried. He was letting people come to borrow from him. All right? Don't, don't, don't try to borrow money from me. I'm not a, I'm not, I don't do that. I'm not in the lending game. But what he said, the purpose of we lending to people for money. You know, if, if people come to me I don't, and they want to borrow something, I tell people, if someone's asking to borrow you something, it's a brother or sister, you only give them what you're okay to let go. Because you don't want relationship to be strong. But I'm not your source. God is your source. Are you here? God is my source. And so we've got to come to that place. But what does he say? We're, we're not going to be lenders. We're going to be lenders, not borrowers. Meaning what? We have excess and we can do business and make money. We can multiply it. You'll be the head and not the tail. Now you might start as the tail. I didn't start prospering, but God's prospered the work of my hands. Because I've been faithful. Because I honor God. Are you here? And he's continued to prosper me. I'm still believing for greater things. Why? Because we got to do a lot of stuff. Amen. Are you here? And I want to be a tither. I want to believe I can tithe one day and give 100000 as a tithe. Oh, I got three amens in this room. Come on. Why not? There's people in Orange County that could do that. Why not? Why, why can't we believe for it? We can't. Well, I don't think I could ever do that. Well, you never will. Well, God doesn't want me to have that much. He wants me to just have just enough. Well, welcome to your, the rest of your life. 
Are you here? God says he wants us to have abundance. The head and not the tail. You'll be at the top and never at the bottom. And even when you're at the bottom, the last will be first. God puts you at the front of the line. We've got to understand that and carry that. You talk to a Jewish person, they walk around with that. They don't pay retail. They don't pay wholesale. They pay the Jewish sale. Come on. And they walk into a business meeting and I want a discount. Well, you already got a discount. Well, I want my discount. I'm, I'm a child of Abraham. They expect it. If I'm going to go into business, I'm going to be at the top. If I'm going to invent something, God's going to give me the creativity, and I'm going to do something that's going to transform the world. Are you here? But that's the old covenant. We have a better covenant. That's the covenant in the old. But we have to make a choice. It's up to us. It's not automatic. And this verse, I've shared it with many people and this week as I met different people and this verse has really been a verse, I believe, is a timely verse for so many of us. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, the Bible says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. I've set before you life, and I've set before you death. I've set before you blessing, and I've set before you cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Choose life. How do you choose death? Sin, dishonesty, robbing God. Choose life. If you choose death, it's your own fault. Don't get upset with God. Are you here? Thank God he redeems the time. I've had debt in my life. There's times that I've been in debt. Susan taught, shared she was almost a bankrupt at one time. Her money came in and everything went to bills and she didn't have enough to pay her bills. And God's a debt-canceling God. Thank God he's a God of second chances. Thank God he's a redeemer. And God can cancel our debt. But let's not keep choosing death. Start choosing life. Start sowing the right thing. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow death, you're going to reap death and corruption. If you sow life, you're going to reap life. It's a choice. And I know we're here because we love God and we want to choose life. So the Father opened up a way for physical blessing. For material blessing, for financial blessing. But under the Abrahamic covenant, they were still spiritually dead. They didn't experience eternal life. The covenant that God made with Abraham was good, but Jesus came with a better covenant. In Luke 4, verse 18, he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God, He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What's the gospel to the poor? You were poor. You're under a curse. But the curse is going to be broken at the cross. And you can prosper. People say, well, that only talks about spiritual prosperity. No, it includes spiritual prosperity. They already understood the financial prosperity. They already understood the natural prosperity. Because they had that under the other covenant. But what was he saying? On top of that, you're going to have spiritual blessing. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to, pray, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the year of the Lord? It's a year of jubilee. You know what happened in the year of jubilee? Every year, seven years, debts were canceled. It's a clean slate. All things have passed away. All things are new. It's now an opportunity to prosper in every area of our life as our soul prospers. 
But how many Christians, they're still poor, still brokenhearted, still captives, still blind and cannot see, still oppressed. The devil, the devil, they talk more about the devil than they talk about God. The devil's attacking me, the devil's attacking me, the devil's attacking Is it the devil attacking or is it we don't understand our covenant and the enemies aren't fleeing from us? Are you here? And we get out this martyr mentality. I'm suffering for Jesus. I'm just suffering for the Lord. He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to prosper. He wants to be, you to be in health as your soul prospers. Now, is there suffering? Yes, but it's for righteousness' sake. We suffer for righteousness' sake so that, that what? We could, we could, you know, experience the power of his resurrection and making a stand for Jesus. But don't suffer for foolishness' sake. Don't suffer for sin's sake when he made a, a, a way to get out of it. Yes. I've told this story before, but it's such a powerful story. There was a woman who served a very wealthy lady and, and took care of her home and lived with her. And, 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 and this lady, you know, pro- provided for her and, and, and basically gave her a place to live and, and, and gave her a great salary. And this woman died. And when this woman died, she had to go back to an apartment. She was older. She couldn't work so much, so she didn't have a, a salary. And this woman gave her a, a gift, and she took this gift, and she framed it. She put up on her wall. And she was in a place where she was struggling and was going to lose her, her small apartment. And the social worker came, and she's talking to the social worker. And she's asking her, do you know have any family? Is there anyone who can help you? And she said, no. And you know, she, she talked about the lady she worked for. She said, she, you know, she died and, you know, and, and, and all my things began to dry up and she gave me this beautiful picture. And the social worker looked, looked at the picture and said, can I see it? She took the picture off the wall and she realized this illiterate lady didn't know what she had. It wasn't a picture. It was a check for $1 million that she framed and put on the wall. It could have changed her whole life, but she was ignorant to what she had, her inheritance. And she was living in abject poverty when she was provided for. Sometimes we think we're not worthy. We think we don't know what we have. But I'm here to tell you, come on, Jesus came to reveal the giving nature of a father. He says in the word of principle, we don't leave an inheritance for our children. We're worse than an infidel, an idolatrous person. Why? Because God has given us a great inheritance. But what's the requirement? Matthew 7, verse 7 says, ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to. What do I say? Let me give you Derek's modern translation. You ready? Pray and ask. Seek. Get a job. Work. Come on. You got to be seeking. How you seek it? Position yourself. Yeah. Well, I'm believing for my harvest. I'm believing for a cornfield. You don't even have a field. Yeah. You don't even have seed. Not really willing even to get out of your pajamas and plow the ground. Yeah. You're not going to get a corn harvest. Yeah. What is seeking? You're pursuing what God said. Yeah. He says you'll find it. You're knocking, looking for opportunities. Yeah. Destiny is attached to people. In ministry, there's been people that I connected with that opened doors for me, that opened nations for me, that opened spiritual dimensions for me because our destiny is attached to people. There's people that are opportunity, but if we're not out there seeking, we're not out there knocking, we're not out there asking, it's not going to happen. 
For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. And he goes on and he says, And what man is there among you? If a son asks for bread, you'd give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, you'd give him a snake. If you being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? But we got to ask. You got to seek. You got to be in covenant with God. How do you come in covenant with God? Tithe. Well, I don't trust God. That's the problem. Are you here? But if we can't trust God with 10%, how can we say we trust Him with our eternity? Do we really believe we're going to die? We're going to go to heaven and be with God? And we're willing to live our life and put all of our eggs in that basket. We can't trust God with the 10%. Are you here? And the 10% belongs to God. He says, that belongs to me. It's the first fruits. What is the first fruits? That means when it, whatever God blesses you with first, you give it to him. And we don't understand the first fruits because we get paychecks normally. We get all the fruit at once. But when you have a harvest, what would happen? The first fruit would come was the first orange. It was the first apple. It was the first watermelon. Samuel sent me a, a YouTube video, I think it was, of a guy. and He's like, well, I didn't have a lot of money, but I planted watermelons. And he said, I wanted to apply the principle of the first fruit. So when his first watermelon came, he brought it to church. And then later he said it was a normal-sized watermelon. But now he showed the fruit from that tree. The watermelons are like that. The watermelons are like that. I don't know if someone was watching online or what in the first service, after service, we went out to the starting point and they had all their vegetables in a box and brought it to the house of God. Huh? Squash and zucchini and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because that's what they do. They brought their first, when they had their first lamb, they gave it to God. Well, what if another lamb doesn't come? That wasn't a consideration. Everything that I get, any increase, I give it to God. So they brought their crops, they brought their animals. They brought whatever they had to God as their source. And what happened? God blessed them. And even the watermelon was so huge. You go to Israel, their fruits are huge. And they're growing in the desert. How does that work? Because they've honored God and God has blessed their harvest and given increase. He's performed their word in their life. Come on. Just as parents, we go to great lengths to bless our children. That's who our heavenly father is. Are you here? And it's a step of faith sometimes because we put our security in our math and our zeros. But God can move the zero around. We say zero has no value. No, God can add a zero onto anything. And your 200 becomes 2,000. That's called a hundredfold return. Are you here? And God prospers the works of our hand. The Bible says in Psalms 34 verse 10, young lions lack and they suffer hunger. But, someone say but. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that's on the earth. Look at creation. What does God say? We have dominion. Somebody say dominion. God created a a special place for man in that garden. But what was the goal as man and woman came forth that we would go forth in dominion and subdue the earth? 
The devil has no right to subdue. We need to be subduing. We need to be the people. And just as the nation of Israel, you don't mess with Israel. Come on. They've got the military. They've got intelligence. They've got, come on, people all over the world. They're God's people. And that's the old covenant. But how much more? We're God's people. Come on. Turn your neighbor and say, you're God's person. Come on. If we're his son, if we're his daughter, how much more do we have a covenant? We're not just experiencing financial, emotional, those kind of blessings. We have the spiritual blessing too, where we have the presence of God. We've got heaven on the inside of us. We've got the Holy Spirit who can lead us and guide us. We've got no excuse not to prosper. But we've got to ask, we've got to seek, we've got to choose life. Are you here? What was God's original design for us? As we wrap this up, three things, and I want to reiterate. Number one, we were created to be like God. Come on, tell two people, you were created to be like God. Religion doesn't like that. Oh, how can we say that? God is God. I'm not saying capital G. Lowercase g. What I'm saying, you're in the image of God. We're the only creation that God created with his hands. Every other creation he's spoken to be, but with us, he took some clay. God is an artist. He's a potter. He molded us and looked and said, oh, that head's too pointy. Let's make it a little bit more round. You know? It's too oval. It looks like, let's put some ears on there to give it some balance. Come on. The face is too flat. Let's put something there call it nose. Let's put some lips there to, to help keep the mouth moist. Let's put some eyes so they can see. And what God began to create in his image, in his likeness. And then what did he do? He breathed spirit from his spirit. And we became a living being. We became alive. We have a spirit. Are you here? We're like no other creation. Animals, they have instinct, but they don't have spirits. Come on, there's no animal spirit out there that's called a demon. We're the only one created. We're the only one that's eternal. Are you here? Now some of you are, my dog's going to go to heaven. That's another message. Come on. <laughs> but we, we are eternal. We're created to live eternally with God. Are you here? We're created in the image of God. We're a copy. We're a replica of the original. So we reflect God's perfection. We, we reflect God's holiness. We reflect God's r- righteousness, his knowledge, his dominion, the, the, the ability to give. That's what God's put inside of us. We're, we're created to reflect the glory of, of God. Yes. Psalms 8 verse 4 says this, What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you crowned him with glory and with honor. That God chose us to share his honor with us. It's a reflection of who he is. His glory with us. Not that we look at the glory. Look at me, look at me. We say, look at me and look at God. Because everything I have is his. I'm a reflection. It's not I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. What I have is because of him. David said, everything that God puts on us is because of him. And when we have that kind of heart, God's looking to and fro throughout the earth. I say, I'm going to bless that person. Come on, someone say, it's me. Come on, look here, right, Lord. We have a heart towards God. We love God. God wants, he's looking for those people. 
that he can prosper. Our creation is told in detail in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis, which we looked at. We were made in the image and the likeness of God. After God created, he created man, but he created them, it says. Man and woman was inside. That nature was inside one individual. And God put Adam to sleep, and he took out that, that part and, and put it and created another expression. And Adam woke up and said, whoa, man. And she became woman. Come on. And that was the expression of God, of his nature, equal, not less in value, but in the attributes of God. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed in his nostrils, breathed life and spirit. We're his most prized creation. Because he didn't just create us to be an angel, to worship him, or an animal, to do a duty, or to entertain. He created us as sons and daughters of God. We are his expression like no other. Number two, we have to understand that we're created for companionship. Someone say companionship. Companionship Companionship is essential for us. God never called us to do life alone. In Genesis 2 verse 11, God said it's not good that man should be alone. So I'm going to make a helper comparable or equal to him. So as social beings, we're designed to live in a community and a family. And that's what the church is the expression of. Sometimes our families are a little messed up because we're not all expressing the image of God. And we need to love our family. We need to honor them. But come on, God puts a family together that's his family. That we're sons and daughters. We're children of God. We're part of his body. Are you here? There was such oneness between man and woman in the garden that there was nothing that could, was hidden from either one of them. They had total vulnerability and transparency with each, with each other. But when sin entered in, what happened? They were ashamed. Not only did they have companionship with one another, but they had a special companionship with God. Where God would come in the cool of the day and... Genesis 3 verse 8, after the fall, we see it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It says here, when it says that they heard the sound of God walking in the garden of the cool of the day, the Hebrew is in what we call the habitual practice tense. Which means it was something that was customary. It's something that happened regularly. So regularly, God would fellowship with them. At the end of the day, he'd come and be like, hey, Adam, Eve, how's it going? What'd you do today? And Adam's like, you know, I took half a day just to figure out the name of this long creation you had. And I decided to call it Giraffe. The father's like, that's an amazing name, Adam. Awesome. I love that name. Giraffe. And their, their community, we don't know what they talked about, but I'm sure they talked about Adam's assignment. I'm sure they talked about his commission. But when sin entered in, that fellowship was cut off. They could no longer have access to the tree of life that brought spiritual life to them. But God didn't change his intention to bless them, to prosper them. Even when our kids don't do well, we still love them. We still want to prosper them. We don't cut them off and kick them out. Are you here? Genesis 1 verse 28, God blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Sometimes we hear the story of creation. 
but we just pass through it. And like Paul, we don't have the understanding. We don't have the comprehension of what God has done for us. We were created to express the image of God. We were created for companionship. And number three, we were created to reign. Someone say, I was created to reign. To have dominion. In every area of our life, God declared our purpose and our destiny. That's his original intention. That's our original design. And he's not changed his will concerning to us. But are we walking in dominion in our life? I'm not talking about domination. There's a difference in dominion and domination. What is dominion? Where you rule and you reign, but you also take care of it. Are you here? It's just not for us, but you take care of it. You're a good manager of it. You nurture it. You protect it. And that's what God's called us to do, to subdue the earth. That we would come to that place where we'd subdue. Even as we were in the earth, God called, called Adam and Eve to subdue Satan. He had no power over them. But they gave him power because they chose disobedience. They didn't choose life. Are you here? The garden was a prototype so that man could bless the whole world. That blessing, dominion, abundance, unity, compassion, they were all a part of our unique design. I put this up for you. Every aspect of fulfilling the purpose and our destiny from our original design was to do this and work in relationship with God. But what do we need to do now? We need to get back. Now that, that we've come back, we can... That, that never changes when we come in and we do business. Come on, Jesus is the head of the church. This City Harvest uh, Live Church is not our church. We're the stewards of it. The leaders were the stewards of it. It's God's church. He's the head of the church. My business, the Derek Dunn team in real estate, I'm involved. I'm a partner, but he's the senior partner. My coaching business, he's a senior partner. My agency business, he's a senior partner. I have other people that we're in partnership, but it's his business. It's for the Lord. Susan has her Dunn & Partners business, and guess what? He's the senior partner. Why? We're coming back where we're doing life. We're walking in dominion. We're out there taking ground for God and wherever he's called us, the sphere of influence. But we're doing it with him. Our original design was to prosper. Come on, say amen. Say my original design was to prosper and to live in abundance that we would multiply and occupy the earth. That we'd have authority and dominion over every creature in every aspect of this earth. That we would defeat any challenge or dominion that comes against the kingdom of God. It's a battle of kingdoms. Come on, let's all stand on our feet. We're called to walk in unity and harmony with each other, with His body, we're called to be the church, to be the head and not the tail, to be blessed, to be first and not last. Come on, just allow the Word of God to work in your heart today. Come on, open your mouth. Some of us were a bit uncomfortable. Why? We believe lies. We've had ungodly beliefs. How do you get rid of the ungodly belief? You've got to replace it with the godly belief. You've got to replace it with the Word. Everything I'm showing you today and I'm spending time in the Word, I didn't come up with this. It's his original design for you. 
that you would walk in authority, you would walk in dominion, you would multiply, you would occupy, you would defeat and overcome. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That nothing can separate you from his love. I want you to bow your head in your heart this morning. And I want to ask you, do you feel out of control in your relationships with your family, maybe your friends, your finances, your job, your career, maybe even your health? You feel you're not having dominion. I want you to focus on that area right now. What would exercising dominion feel like and look like? Come on, just begin to pray right now. Allow the Holy Spirit to breathe creativity. Come on. Walking in dominion in your finances. Walking dominion in your in your relationships. In your career. In your health. Holy Spirit. Remove every wrong idea. Let us not be looking at the wrong thing. Let us not be thinking the thoughts of defeat. But renew our mind right now. We break every stronghold of the enemy. We break every lie that we've held to. We break even the excuses that have brought us into a place of comfort and not into a place of action. God, that you would begin to cause that vision for dominion, that vision of overcoming to come alive in our hearts today. I want you to think of a significant relationship in your life. If you're married, maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's a close friend, children. Are you having transparency? Are you enjoying closeness and intimacy in a relationship? If not, what's preventing you from experiencing that, tra- that, that transparency, that relationship that God has for you? Come on, let every fear be brought down right now. We're created for relationship. We're created for relationship. Come on, let let hope come alive again. Maybe we were desiring, we lost hope in desiring that relationship and having a spouse. Come on, God's created you for relationship with your, with your friends, with those around you, in your in your connect group, in the church. Come on, God's created you for relationship. God, we pray that you would work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Let let an openness come. Let a genuineness come. Let a vulnerability come in our relationships with others. And also in our relationship with you. Maybe, Maybe you're not vulnerable with God. Maybe you're not even totally transparent with God. Come on, let the walls come down. Let God have full access to every area of your life. And lastly, what's the original design for your life? How do you, as you hear this word this morning, how do you think God wants to prosper you in your life? What does success look like? What's the aspect that's not fully operating for you today? What would God want you to do to make things different? Come on, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to download you today. Come on, let's lay hold of the goals. Let's lay hold of the desires that God's put in our heart. Come on, this is our original design that we would walk in dominion. Come on, just begin to look. Begin to see with the eyes of the Spirit 
We break out of every hindrance. We break out of culture that's limited us. We break out of those that said we don't have enough education. Those that said we don't have enough money. Those that have even put lies on us and told us that success is bad. God, we ask you to forgive us for believing the lie. Forgive us for coming into agreement with doctrines of demons that have hindered your will over our life. And we take authority right now in the name of Jesus. We break its power. We break the curse over our life. We break defeat over our life. We break, God, even that inability to move forward. Some of us, were feeling we just can't move forward. We can't move forward. We're just stuck. Come on, today God says, I'm moving you out of that place of being stuck. Come on. There's a fresh wind that's coming, that's going to breathe, that's going to blow, that's going to create opportunities for us as we ask, as we seek, as we knock. Come on. God is moving us in the place of abundance. Some of us, maybe we've been asking, we've been seeking. Maybe we're feeling a bit weary. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, it will come. It will come. It will come. It will come. Come on, begin to put your eyes on the prize. Begin to put your eyes on what God has said and declare it's going to come. We're not going to give up. We're not going to stop believing. We're going to stop not stop sowing. We're not going to stop praying. We're going to not stop going for it. God, that which you promised, the promises of God are yes and amen. They will come to pass in our life. They'll come to pass in our generation in the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Thank you, Jesus. No other name like yours. Jesus.